when we were on holiday, we were on holiday in Crete in early July. And uh, in, during in day school, I teach um, the Enjoying God's Word um, in first year. And they have a Bible reading program, which is three chapters a day, so 21 chapters a week, roughly. So a lot of my Bible reading is um, to do with that. And we're going on holiday, and it's one of my main ways of connecting with God is reading my Bible. Some of you spend hours soaking. I sort of do a mixture of of soaking and, and reading my Bible and jotting things down and doing spider diagrams or mind mapping or whatever. And I just thought, oh, I'm really looking forward to just reading, you know, reading me and God hanging out together with his word. And uh, the second week, we're in this tiny hotel. It was on a slight um, hill. And it had, um, there were views out. So on our, we were on the second, second, first floor, second floor. And it had views out um, over olive groves to the mountains on one side and the sea on the other. And I thought, oh, yes. So a couple of mornings, um, Pete would be down by the pool. And uh, I just thought, yeah, I'm going to hang out with God with my Bible on the balcony. So, you know, and a cup, or I could have a cup of tea as well. We had a little, you know, it was a studio. So me and God, his word and, and the beautiful beauty of creation. This is, this is really where I sort of come alive. And uh, so I thought, well, what, what, do, what don't we read in the Bible reading program? And I thought, Deuteronomy, which I actually have. Uh, it's um, the first few chapters of Deuteronomy I really love. Well, I, I sort of thought, I know there's some good bits in there. <laughs> not the saying that there's not good bits all the way through the Bible. But there were bits that God had spoken to me in the past, um, you know, sort of specific. But I couldn't sort of think how the whole of... Or how the first, it was really, I looked about nine chapters of Deuteronomy. So I just started reading. And I think it's sort of like, this is, this sermon is going to be the overflow of me hanging out with God. Um, you know, sort of uh, spending time with him. Just to give you a bit of background. Um, so in um, chapter one, it says, These are the words of Moses to all Israel in the wilderness east of the Jordan. So Israel were camped on the east bank of the um, on east of Jordan, and they were waiting to go into the promised land. So here they are waiting to go in the promised land, and uh, so it suddenly struck me with Pete. So after I'd spent when we were on holiday, and we had spent these couple of mornings. hanging out with God and his word, um, I felt like God was saying, oh, you could use that in a preach, you know, later on sometime. And as Pete was preaching about um, going into the future, building together for a future, I thought, this is exactly what's happening here. So here they are, camped, ready to go into a brand new future that God has got for them. So it says... In the 40th year, on the first day of the 11th month, Moses proclaimed to the Israelites all that the Lord had commanded him concerning them. So here is Moses telling the people what God has told them they need to know. 
And I think it's quite interesting because it says about them, but it's a lot about him. It's about, well, it's about him and them and their journey together. And then in verse 5, it says, East of the Jordan in the territory of Moab, Moses began to expound this law, saying, then it goes on. But it's interesting. So um, I don't know if you know, but when um, the Bible refers to the law, it's not necessarily referring (coughs) to just the laws, like the Ten Commandments and, and, you know, not wearing clothes of mixed fabric and, you know, what to do with mildew in your house, which is always a heart-raising <laughs> verse to read. Um, it's actually talking... Uh, so here, it says, um, East of Jordan, in the territory of Moab, Moses began to expound this law, saying... The Lord our God said to us at Horeb, you have stayed too long, break camp. He starts them on their history. So the law is actually, when it's referring to the law, it's actually referring to the, um, you know, their scriptures as they know it up to that time. And God takes them, so it's not just about, um, you know, this is all that I've said to you. It's actually the history that they've got with God. And so God's sort of saying, these are the things that it's important for you to know. And just in um, first things, I camped out at this one for sort of several, several, well, sort of 10 minutes, 15 minutes, just spending time with God. Verse 1, and uh, chapter 1, verse 31. There you saw how the Lord your God carried you as a father carries his son. You can just camp out on that one, can't you? Just imagine that. Just let that Holy Spirit just do that. The Lord carries you as a father carries his son. You know, sometimes that's close to the heart, isn't it? You know, chest to chest, close to the heart. Yeah, sometimes it's on the shoulders. Yeah, sometimes it's, you know, sort of uh, going around, you know, sort of giving them aeroplanes or or whatever it is, you know, dads love to do and have the strength to do with their kids. There you saw how the Lord your God carried you as a father carries his son all the way. So, you know, as we look to going into, you know, a a new future, new stages in our life, to remember the father heart of God. And then I'm going to um, go forward to chapter 4. So I'm probably going to spend quite a bit of time in chapter 4 and then we'll see if we get on to chapter 8 as well. But I love this. Good teaching. So God doesn't doesn't just give them um, commandments. He tells them why. And and this is one of the things I think that's part of of good teaching, of of bringing of good, um, not just for, you know, school teachers, but with our children, we'd actually not just say, this is what we'd like you to do, but this is why we'd like you to do it. And uh, so, or, you know, this is our heart behind this thing. So in verse uh, four, in chapter four, verse one, now Israel, hear the decrees and laws I'm about to teach you. Follow them so that you may live. 
This is about, you know, these are, these aren't things to curtail you, to make your life a misery, to in, you know, inhibit you. This is so you may live. And in 6 verse 3 it says, Hear, O Israel, and be careful to obey, so that it may go well with you, and that you may increase gently, great, increase greatly in a land flowing with milk and honey. So God's saying, this is why I want you to live life and live it to the full. This is why I'm giving you, you know, these instructions and these teachings, because it will go well with you if you do these things. I think that's a real father heart of God coming through there. Follow them so that you may live and go in and take possession of the land the Lord your the Lord your God of your ancestors is giving you. Do not add to what I command you and do not subtract from it, but keep the commands of the Lord your God and that I give to you. Then it goes on, it's interesting, it goes back to a, a, a not very um, good part of uh, Israel's history. You saw with your own eyes what the Lord did at Baal Peor. The Lord your God destroyed from among you everyone who followed the Baal of Peor. And I thought, I don't really know what happened at the Baal of Peor, but I looked it up in um, no cross-references. And this is where the Israelites actually um, started uh, Baal Baal worship. And um, so they were doing worship that involved sexual intercourse with the priestesses of Baal. And, uh, and it's, uh, so this was going on and, um, Phineas, um, it's, there's a man and a priestess in the act of making love and, and Phineas puts a spear through both of them. And God commends Phineas. He was as zealous as I am for my honor among them. It's like Phineas couldn't bear to see People, you know, defiling their relationship with God, dishonoring God, and he took action. And we'll go in um, a bit later, we'll talk about it in, later in the chapter. It says that God is a jealous God. And, and uh, I'll expand that a bit later. See, I have taught you decrees and laws as the Lord my God commanded me, so that you may follow them in the land you are entering to take possession of it. Observe them carefully for you, right? So you've got the observe them carefully because it will go well with them. So that's their first sort of learning point. Do this, it will go well with you. But then it says, for this will show your wisdom and God's, show your wisdom and understanding to the nations who will hear about all these decrees and say, surely, this great nation is a wise and understanding people. And uh, it was interesting, um, not last week, but the week before, um, Pete and I invested in me doing a coaching course, an executive coaching course in London. And um, <laughs> I, I was quite, um, I was thinking, what will they make of a church leader turning up on this thing. So there were only 12 people on the course. Um, one was a, an Olympic athlete, a gold medalist, British gold medalist in 2012. I won't tell you who it is. Um, 
And then I was with a, another person was, um, she was one of the fairly, I guess, fairly senior um, in the um, Institute of Chemistry. Um, there were two people from a large um, uh, car manufacturer. And, um, and there was a lady from the British Council which I think Emily's dad used to work for, going, and uh, she's based in England, but she travels all over the world. And this is to do with education and culture, um, us interacting with, in education and culture. In, I thought it was just Commonwealth countries, but it's not limited to Commonwealth countries. And apparently at the end of the course, this lady, they said she hid her light on, under, the, under a bushel. But uh, what was interesting, even on the first day, they... They respect me for what I did. And I thought, wow, this is, this is quite surprising. But they, um, particularly the lady from the British Council, the next day she was just saying, tell me more about this culture you have. Because we have to do these little exercises. You know, you kept on having to sort of do interactions with each other. So you sort of get to know each other. Tell me more about this culture. How do you lead you know, because I'd said, we, you know, we, we're about uh, building, you know, this, the reason coaching is, is um, sort of pertinent to me and part of my heart is that we're about growing big people. You know, we're not about growing a big church, we, we, but when we grow big people, it's amazing what they do and, and we end up with a big church kind of thing. And she's saying, tell me more. You know, tell me more about this positivity, about this encouragement. Tell me more about how you, how you, how you lead free people, how you lead with freedom rather than control. It was quite fascinating. So, um, and I mean, just this week, you know, about influencing um, nations. I'll just read a bit actually from Isaiah 2. In the, in the last days, the mountain of the Lord's temple will be established as chief among the mountains. It will be raised above the hills and all nations will stream to it. Many people, peoples will come and say, come, let us go to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways. And then later in Isaiah 60. Nations will come to your light and kings to the brightness of your rising. So there's this, wow, God's wisdom is shown as we do these things. And I mean, this week we've got, we were chatting, um, sharing the good news in school. One of our, our members is having an opportunity to um, meet with the Department for Education. Wouldn't it be great having opportunity to change culture in the Department of Education Pete and many of you here have been involved in the Heaven in Healthcare um, conference Friday night and well Friday Friday night Saturday. Again, influencing culture in our nation. This is part of our future. This is part of the future that we're stepping into. Surely this na- this is, this great nation is a wise and understanding people. What other nation is so great as to have their gods near them the way, our, the, way the Lord our God is near, near us whenever we pray for, to him? Very interesting, isn't it? What, does, what, makes, what makes these people special? Presence of God, God being near them. That's what makes them. So it's not just laws. It's the presence of God 
think these are, you know, and it's not just, when I say laws, I don't mean laws. I mean, it's not just wisdom and culture and all those things that we, we, you know, are really good principles for life. It's the presence of God as well. And the power of prayer in that. And what other nation is so great as to have righteous decrees and laws as this body of laws I am setting before you today? No, the privilege, almost he's saying, look at the privilege of the wisdom that I am giving you. And, you know, of course, you, you know that many of our, our laws, you know, laws on the difference between murder and manslaughter, laws on lots of things are based on, on Old Testament law. Just, you know, it's, you think now, our nation being great, are we keeping, you know, in line with God's, God's um, sort of precepts? But then it goes on, only be careful and watch yourself closely so that you do not forget the things your eyes have seen. So it's saying, remember and obey the, and the, the instructions, I'll call them. But here it says, don't forget the things your eyes have seen. So this isn't just this sort of intellectual thing of remembering what's right and, you know, and wrong. This is remember what you have seen God do. You know, I, we have uh, sort of various family uh, things that we remember. You know, David putting his hand on the on the um, uh, hob when he was about 14, and you know, being just fizzling up. And then we prayed for it. You know, obviously put it in cold water and everything. And he went bowling that night. I mean, it sounds like it's. <laughs> there was another one again. It <laughs> sounds like it's a bit dangerous going on holiday with the Carters. But I was. Um, I was, uh, we were in a caravan with one, a really, really galley kitchen. You know, it was like a corridor. And the boy, the potatoes had, uh, the timing had gone slightly wrong. And you know when potatoes go slightly mushy and you get that sort of thick, you know, they start dissolving a bit. You get that thick gun. So I I don't know quite what happened exactly. But anyway, I'm manoeuvring these potatoes over towards draining them. And somehow I nudge something. And that thick, gunky liquid went on my hand and I'm there in shorts and I had the presence of mind not to drop the potatoes because they would have gone all over me but I couldn't you know it was it was probably micro but I couldn't just get it you know I had to sort of look maneuver something get that down and then do my oh my hand was so sore and um and uh Pete was out barbecuing I think and I sort of said Ow! You know, so Pete sends the kids in. Um, they were young, youngish teenagers at the time, and uh, you know they, they very compassionately stick a hand out. God, you know, Jesus, make Mum better. Amen. You know, and I honestly, we, we'd got the windsurfer with us, and we, we were down on the coast, and we were going to do lots of you know fun activities together. And I thought, oh no, it was my right hand, and. Uh, prayed for it you know did all the water but prayed for it and i had no problem whatsoever so we remember these these family stories we remember stories of provision we remember you know these these things so it's it's holding these and holding other people's um you know, good, good news stories. That's some, that's somewhat more difficult, isn't it? But sometimes I think we need a, a little, um, you know, I think that's is why actually Facebook 
is so good because you can just go on their Facebook page and scroll back and see some of the good news stories, can't you? So, so there you go. If you're running out of, you know, you need to remember, remind yourself of things that God's done. Go on Sasha's or I haven't been on your Facebook page for ages. You left Facebook. Oh, I used to go. I was going to say I haven't seen you on Facebook. Go on Sasha's Facebook page then and, and you know, hear some of the good news. So don't let them fade from your heart. Keep these things. You know, and when something happens, isn't it, we can just think, oh, another miracle. <laughs> you know, another person with, uh, you know, who, who, who was having difficulty walking and now they can walk. No, let's really, um, really celebrate these things. I remember Pete coming back from um, Brazil. He'd been in Brazil with Randy Clark on, the, um, on one of these big healing um, trips uh, that Randy organises um, to various places around the world. And Pete said it was, he was so struck. Randy Clark must have seen probably hundreds of thousands, I should think, but certainly thousands of healings. And Pete said, whatever one it was, whether someone had been healed of a headache or, you know, literally um, people with opaque eyes, their eyes just going clear, uh, Pete saw this, you know, an, an opaque eye just going clear and this, uh, this elderly lady being able to see. Um, Pete said, Randy celebrated every single one of them. You know, he's not tiring of, oh, you know, oh, another, you know, another sore ankle kind of thing. He's celebrating and, and keeping them in his heart. Teach them to your children and to their children after them. I mean, it, there's more, it says more about this in, in chapter six, where it says it's the bit, you know, talk about them as you go down the, as you go down the road, put them on your doorposts, all these kind of things. And again, make the most of the opportunity with your children, but with your friends. When we, ta- when we, t- um, when the, uh, day school students are going out into Love Gravesend and sometimes they go into coffee shops to get the clues for, um, treasure hunts or sometimes they just go into coffee shops and thinking god what are you doing here we say or as you're driving in we say remind yourselves start telling good news stories start telling good news stories as you're driving you know you could as you're driving with your friends as you're driving with your 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 kids tell good news stories um, because I think, especially when we're going out into Grace End, I think there's two things. It builds our faith, reminds us who God's, God is. But, I mean, this is my, my imagination. But I think it's like the angels are sort of gathering round, saying, what are they saying? What can we do? You know, kind of thing. So remind yourself, um, you know, and teach these, it, not just to your children, but to your friends. Keep them in your hearts. Um, but then it says... Remember the day you stood before the Lord your God at Horeb. And what happened at Horeb? Basically, they're there, the mountain. Let me get the the list of the things. Um, So there's thunder, there's lightning, the mountain shakes. God speaks to them out of a cloud. Um, There's this trumpet. Sounds like there's this supernatural trumpet blast coming from from somewhere, from from the smoke and the fire. He takes them, he's saying, remember your supernatural experiences with God, your encounters with God. Remember those, hold them in your heart. You know, as you go into the future, 
These are like your springboard for your expectation of what God is going to do for you and what God is going to do for other people. Just to say, I then uh, I read on and I wait. This is me sitting on the balcony in uh, in Crete. And do you get where you're reading? And then it's almost like, you know, when people strike a tuning for or you have a tuning fork. And if people strike a note, it starts vibrating kind of thing. And I was reading on and I got to this verse. But as for you, so this is verse 20. But as for you, the Lord took you and brought you out of the iron smelting furnace, out of Egypt to be the people of his inheritance as you now are. And I thought, there's something on that verse. I don't know what it is kind of thing. Um, It's just like, what's this? What's God saying through this? And it, it, it struck me, for me, There are really useful things for you to remember from your past. You know, there's great things for you to remember from your past. But here in in Egypt, the the Israelites, they suffered abuse and hardship and other things. And God's saying, I think it's like, basically, this was like an iron smelting furnace. I can bring something good out of, you know, isn't it? When you, when you put the iron ore in and everything, you know, what comes out at the end is stronger. And uh, it's that your God, your, your past doesn't dictate, does not need to dictate your future. This is God can redeem all things. All things work together for good for those who love him. And are called according to his purposes. You know, Bill uses the term, you can't deal God a bad hand. That, you know, I, there's people here and I know some of their past and you think, you wouldn't have a clue. Because God has, has done that and, and made that. So, so, you know, you, you can look at your past, aren't they? It's like in, uh, I think Pete mentioned it the other day, the Israelites, when they're looking back and they're saying, oh, you know, I remember the cucumbers that we had in Egypt. You know, we can look and say, oh, remember when we were only 80 people and we all knew each other kind of thing. That's not a helpful looking at the past. Your past can keep you captive or you can let God redeem your past and you can bring you know, and it makes you strong. It's been like an iron smelting furnace that you've come out of, you know, um, stronger um, and then, of course, we're just saying, and there's all those great things of God's faithfulness in your past that's taking you into the future. And then I got on to the bit in verse 23. Be careful not to forget the covenant the Lord your God. Uh, sorry. Be careful not to forget the covenant of the Lord your God that he made with you. Do not make yourselves an idol in the form of anything the Lord your God has forbidden. For the Lord your God is a consuming fire, a jealous God. And I thought, well, you can't just pick and choose too much. You know, we've just had God as a father carrying you on his back or in his arms or or whatever it is. What is it? This, you know, jealous God. If I, and I actually, I looked up, I followed this in the, I've got an NIV study Bible and it said, go to, I thought, Go to a, you know, one of the references and it likened it to a marriage covenant. 
that God said, I will be your God and you will be my people. And there was this exclusivity like there is in a marriage covenant. And if I was showing, or or, or the other way around, or Pete was showing wrong relationships, inappropriate relationships with another person, too deep or whatever it might be, you're right to be jealous. Because there is this beautiful purity. This, this, I think God being a jealous God speaks of his holiness, his purity. It speaks of his wholeheartedness towards you. But it also, he, he is looking for that wholeheartedness towards him. And that, that in a covenant relationship, if there's inappropriate relationship, it's not, you know, you should be cross. You should be angry. This isn't all okay. You know, it's not like we have an open marriage or whatever you term you want to call for it. And God doesn't have an open marriage. You know, he has a, he has a, um, a, a, an ex, you know, he's, he's, there's this exclusivity. Um, there's an overflowing from this exclusive relationship. Of course there is. But there's this, this um, wholeheartedness, passion um, that God has. So... Ask now about, this is 32, ask now about the former days long before your time, from the day God created human beings on the earth. Ask from one end of, um, from one end of the heavens to the other, has anything so great as this ever happened? Or has anything like it ever been heard of? Has any other people heard the voice of God speaking out of the fire as you have and lived? Just struck me on this, has anything like this ever been heard of? God was taking Israel out, you know, he'd taken them, he'd chosen them as a nation. He's taking them through, you know, uh, the wilderness, or out of Egypt, all through the wilderness. He's taken them into a new land. But then it talks about, you know, hearing from God. I think we're actually in days, you know, they're saying, has anything like this ever happened? I think we're in days of, has anything like this ever happened? There have been many revivals in the past, but they have been of short duration, usually, you know, maybe five years sometimes, um, or they've been in a locality. And now, for years, we've been on this journey. So, you know, Pete and I, as Pete said, we became Christians um, more than 40 years ago, but we were born again with the expectation of being filled with the Spirit, of having... um, Intimacy, I don't, not the degree of intimacy that we now know, but there was intimacy with God. We were expecting God to speak through prophecy and we were expecting to see um, miracles. But in the last 10 years, this has increased, hasn't it? And you hear stories of all over the world from every kind of stream of Christianity of saying these things. You know, God is speaking um, in a way that he's, you know, more frequently than he ever has done before. Um, you know, by signs and wonders, with his mighty outstretched hand, with him, he does, he is our champion, he does fight on our behalf. You know, and then it says, he brought you out of Egypt, in verse 37, he brought you out of Egypt by his presence and his great strength. So, there's all this wonderful wisdom and you might say, actually, I'll just say, you're thinking, Kim, are you saying that we need to obey the law? No, I'm not saying you need to obey the law. 
I'll just say, rules of access. So there were rules about the law, was about access to God, some of it. That has been wonderfully fulfilled in Christ. That's why we don't need to sacrifice, you know, animals anymore. The ceremonial law, oh, that's done that, so that's the ceremonial law. The moral law, again, there's lots of great wisdom in there, but it's not what makes us right with God. Jesus is what makes us right with God. And, uh, but there are useful things about living in purity. There's useful things about how to live in community in the law. Um, you know, there's lots of the law is about, um, food. Now this was often illustrating a point about, um, you know, being wholehearted for God, or it was about hygiene. We have freezers and everything else now, you know, so there's, there's not a lot of that that's, uh, applicable. But there are really some good nuggets in there that are are really good. And I'll just read a bit. I love this quote. It's from Tim Keller. The law of God is a thing of beauty. Instead of a burden, we can use it to to delight and imitate the one who has saved us, rather than to get his attention or procure his favor. We now run the race for the joy that is set before us rather than the, for the, the fear that comes behind us. So this is, we're running this race into the future, in the presence of God, with our beautiful, glorious history, individually and as a church. You know, what's the, the history of this church um, with God? You know, the individuals of this church. We're running with this um, into the future. And just in Deuteronomy 8, I'll finish here. It describes the kind of land that you're um, coming into. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land with brooks, streams, and deep springs gushing out into the valleys and hills. And Dave was talking about the floods rising. There is an abundance of water. I just take this as an abundance of the Holy Spirit. And when I was reading it years ago, there's different... um, Different translations use slightly different words, but it said uh, springs, rivers, and pools. And we encounter the Holy Spirit in all of those ways. So it's, it's his presence. I think that's speaking of not just abundance and all that we need for life, but his presence. So a land with brooks, streams, and deep springs gushing out into the valleys and hills. A land with wheat and barley, vines and fig trees, pomegranates, olive oil, and honey. A land where bread will not be scarce and you will lack nothing. And earlier in the chapter, it's just said man will not live on. You, this is, you learned this so that man will, you will know that man won't live up by bread alone. And it's talking about God speaking. So this is going into the future with our culture, our wisdom, God's wisdom that he's given us and, and the presence and expecting this abundant future of a land, you know, of, of, oh, I think everything in this speaks about overflowing and abundance and that's the future that we're going to, we are heading into.